This is the Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Are you struggling to find success betting sports? Tired of empty promises and scams handicapping services? Wondering why Vegas sports books become richer and richer and how you could win on sports too? This podcast is what the sports investing industry truly needs an insider look into proven successful strategies. Z Code Podcast is your crash course in sports investing that destroys popular misconceptions and provides invaluable sports prediction analysis tools that you can download for free. We outline insider winning systems from experts that make a living through sports investing and explain how you can do it too. Armed with the best tools in the industry and a proper mindset, sustaining profits is easier than ever before. Welcome to Z Code Podcast. Hey guys, Scott here and welcome to another great episode of our Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. I hope you are enjoying our show and we will work our hardest every single episode to bring you the best of the best in sports investing industry. Guys who make a living professionally betting on sports to tap into their brain, see their insights and help you become a winner. And today I have a truly special guest for you. A real sports betting veteran with over 30 years of experience. Trust me, in 30 years, he has seen it all. I am grateful for the opportunity to talk to Murray today, our special guest, about the evolution of the sports betting industry during the last decade or maybe even longer. How Vegas is becoming sharper and sharper and how you must stay on the edge of technology to beat the bookies. So let's meet Murray, a legendary Z-Code expert, NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB expert as well, poker legend, a leader of Z-Code championship team, and a really great and helpful guy around our community. Murray, welcome to the show. It's truly a pleasure to have you with us today. I know most of the people in the Z-Code community know you, but could you take a minute to tell our new listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from? Uh, yeah, sure. It's uh, it's really a pleasure to be here, and that's uh, quite an introduction. I should have business cards made up with all that on it. <laughs> um, I'm from uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and I'm born, raised, and lived here uh, pretty much all my life. Although I've traveled around quite a bit, and wow, all those uh, all those uh, superlatives and platitudes are quite impressive. I don't tend to look at myself uh, in that way. I consider myself a normal guy, but uh, you know, I, I take this stuff uh, pretty seriously. Well, you are a real betting veteran. I mean, over, I think, over, what did you say, 38 years of betting experience? Uh, yes. I, I started doing this uh, back in the mid-70s. It was, the, the world was so different then than it is now. Uh, things are a lot better now. Let me uh, let me tell you, but uh, it was uh, really the wild west uh, back then when it comes to sports wagering or gambling or anything to do with that. It was uh, really a completely completely different world, and, and all the young guys uh, today can't relate to it. Uh, it's like watching an old movie and laughing at it. But uh, yeah, I was there and I lived through a lot of stuff. Well, not going to try to make you sound old today, Murray, but you did start doing this before some of our Zico listeners were probably even born. So <laughs> tell us how you got started with sports investing back in these in the days. Well, I, I watched uh, a lot of sports on TV, you know, back since the mid-1960s. My dad was always a big fan. So I, I grew up watching, uh, of course, hockey, which is really big here in Canada, NFL and CFL uh, 
football, some basketball, you know, later on, a lot of baseball. Really got into baseball since 1969 when the the Expos uh, started. And, you know, just was always a big sports fan. Uh, Played a lot of sports and watched a lot and read all the... uh, at that time, there of course, there was no uh, internet or no electronic media of any type. You only had newspapers, magazines, uh, TV, radio, and, and that was it. But I, I just couldn't get enough. I, I subscribed to every type of magazine there was. And, and of course, uh, you know, I had friends who were into the same thing. And I remember there was a time when we were watching some uh, Sunday afternoon NFL football. My friend invited me over. And we were there with the guys watching the games. And and I was probably, at the time, like 14, 15 years old. And his dad was there watching the game with us. And he was so boisterous. He was getting it. Like, every play was life and death. And, uh, you know, then after, my friend told me, you know, my dad had like uh, $20 on the game. And $20, that's a lot of money back in the early 1970s. So, uh, and, you know, I sort of got into it then, uh, not actually wagering money, but I became aware of lines and I became aware of, you know, things to look for in games uh, from sort of very early on. Uh, My dad was a big uh, sports fan, but he was never into any wagering or gambling or anything like that. So uh, uh, we got into it. We used to uh, try to wager $5 or $10, which was a lot of money back then. I mean, you could see uh, uh, those days, you could Elton John for ten dollars <laughs> in his prime. So it was it, it was a different world. So that that was sort of my you know my initiation into it. Of course, I knew uh, nothing about handicapping or about uh, lines, but I, I was a sports fan, and it was fun to have uh, dollars on the game, even though we lost more often than won. Well, um, you talk a lot about how things have changed over the years. Um, since you first got into this. And, of course, just even a few years back, uh, most online bookies didn't even exist. Um, So talk a little bit about how you were placing bets before the Internet existed. Yeah, well, not just online bookies didn't exist, but online didn't exist at all. So there there were no computers, there was no Internet, there were no cell phones, uh, no Twitter, no Facebook, uh, uh, no electronic communication of any type. There was only the print media, there was radio, there was television, and there was a telephone, landline. And that was, uh, that was it, and that was normal. We had no video games. Uh, there, there were pinball machines, which we thought were the cutting edge of technology at the time. And, and that was about it. Going, just to continue from my earlier story, I enjoyed wagering, even if it was only 5 or $10, but I didn't like losing. And in order not to lose... I set about finding ways to win, to get advantages. How could I take advantage, even at an age of 15 or 16 years old, what was I going to be looking for to take advantage of a, of, of a sports betting line? Um, at that time, in order to make, uh, by that time, uh, we had already been introduced to some, I would say, uh, unscrupulous, uh, seedy characters of ill repute that uh, we would call like back alley bookies today because there was no one else who would take, uh, I don't live in Las Vegas or Atlantic City, and this is a completely illegal endeavor. So uh, uh, we had to go to some uh, really odd places (laughs) and uh, meet up with these guys, and and it was only in cash. And uh, let's say I wanted to make 
a twenty dollar to win twenty dollars, and they would usually charge an outrageous twenty cent line. So we'd put down twenty four dollars and give them, and uh, he would present us with the lines, and we would choose a selection, and we would meet sometime during the week. And if I if I won, collect my money back, and if I lost, my money was already paid in advance. So uh, you know we would be encountering drug dealers and and hookers and uh, uh, petty criminals. Uh, you know, I never got involved in any of that stuff or any any violence, but still you had to sort of become familiar with these type of people if you wanted to have action on any of the games. I didn't like losing, like I said, and the access to information was very difficult in those days. And like I said, I read a lot of magazines. Uh, I subscribed to everything I could and read up about uh, baseball and football and basketball and hockey. But even that enough was not enough to to, to try to beat the lines as a, as a teenage kid. So uh, I began subscribing to newsletters uh, of uh, self-proclaimed uh, uh, experts on in gambling. And I would receive every week in the mail, in the snail mail, uh, actual newsletters from uh, all over the state giving their predictions on games. It's just like if you go online today, like there's... Uh, 10,000 people giving you an opinion on a game and trying to sell you know, their, their picks to you. It wasn't any different then. It's just that there were fewer of them and it was all slow. There was no instant uh, access to information. And uh, I would get about probably anywhere from 12 to 14 of these every week uh, during the NFL season. And I would uh, work out a consensus among amongst these these so-called experts. And if there was an overwhelming consensus on one side of a particular game, then I would wager on that game. And uh, I started to win. I started to win more often than I would lose. And my friends that I was doing this with, they completely gave up on trying to pick any games themselves. They just followed whatever I would do. And it was a really... It was really nice to make a little bit of extra money. However... You know, the, the bookmakers that I'm dealing with didn't like to lose, and uh, eventually they didn't want to pay me. Uh, it came to a point after a, a couple of years where this one fellow actually owed my friend and I approximately $2,000, which was a, a real fortune. We're talking back in about 1976 or so. That was a, a lot of money, and we could never collect it, and we realized that there's there's really nothing we could do. We got, you know, there was a few months of, of work that went into accumulating that amount of money, and we just got ripped off by these underworld characters. Uh, I, I, I mean, I've been told uh, stuff like, you know, we know where you live, we know who your parents are, we're, you know, we're going to come and get you if you ever screw us. This is going to happen, and that is going to happen, and it was, it, w- it was really a, a scary time. But I was so enthralled with the idea of, of having action on games that, um, you know, we went that extra step and there was no other way around it. Wow. Sounds almost like a movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You see old movies, and, and but that was the only way to do things at the time. And what happened uh, after that was that uh, we, we ended up uh, meeting a lot of people who really enjoyed uh, betting on the games. Some people I knew from before, some I didn't, made a lot of contacts. And we decided to have a little experiment. This is uh, later on. This is probably going about 1977, 78. And uh, I actually became uh, a a bookmaker myself, which was uh, kind of uh, an an interesting experience. 
um, you know, we figured that uh, why are we paying all this juice to, um, you know, to, to the bookmakers? Why don't we just be on the other side and collect it? And, uh, of course, at the time, we didn't realize it was quite a foolish thing to do, but nevertheless, we did it for, I did that for about two uh, NFL seasons. And uh, our only access to betting lines was to uh, buy the New York Daily News or New York Post every Friday or Saturday to get actual lines. And, uh, you know, I was just really still a teenager living at home with my, my folks, and they had no idea what was going on. So uh, my friend and I used to go down to a, and rent literally a really nice hotel room every Sunday afternoon, and we would check in there, and we would conduct business. We'd have television with all the channels, which uh, was a big deal. Color television with all the channels in that day, those days was a big deal. Uh, we would have access to a telephone line, which, uh, you know, my mom wasn't going lift to lift up and hear what was going on on the other end. And we would call our customers at predetermined times. They would make their wagers, and we would read them the lines. And, and we did that for a couple of seasons. Sometimes we made money, sometimes we lost money. Uh, it, really, in order to be a, a successful bookmaker, you really need deep pockets and a lot of customers uh, because sometimes uh, you know, people will just all gang up on one side of the line. And uh, if you're only taking a small amount of money, you can get hurt like that. But there are times when we made a lot of money too. Uh, eventually, we were approached by this... Um, this uh, other uh, character who really threatened us and said, this is, you know, these people are mine, this is my territory, and if you don't want to get hurt, you better stop doing it, type of thing. So, you know, I, I, we stopped doing that, but it was a, a tremendous experience to, to be involved on the other side of things, even though it was not legal at the time, but uh, I, nobody ever bothered us from that, that side, but it was a lot of fun to do. I figured that that might be how that story would end with one of the shady characters finding out you were doing that and and a running you off, closing down oh, shop yeah. for you. Oh, oh yes, yeah. so they were very uh, they were very protective of that. Uh, I think they had uh, you know we didn't get roughed up, but we got scared. They they put a scare sure. to us, and we realized that it was uh, it was it was no place to be. So uh, uh, there there was a time by the time we got into the 1980s. Uh, it was became more and more difficult to find uh, reliable outs. You know, I, I was always involved in football fantasy pools and all sorts of different gambling and uh, activities, but it would have to be on a smaller scale because we really didn't have anybody who could take, you know, big, bigger wages at that time, especially where I live. So uh, I ended up getting uh, just a, a regular job. My my life went on, but things changed really in the late 1980s when the uh, when the internet really started, and uh, we had access to uh, bookmakers uh, online. Not the way it is today. It was very different. You still have to call up on a phone and speak to people, but things changed a lot then, and uh, it, it sort of was the beginning of evolution to what we have today, which is which is unbelievable. Well, do you feel the betting niche has become more regulated lately? Uh, I think it really depends on where you live. I think that you guys down in the States have quite a bit of regulation. And uh, I know there's uh, some of the more popular bookmakers you don't have access to. I know that some of the um, poker sites uh, don't let you on, which is, you know, just really not right because there are people making legitimate livings doing this. Here in Canada and in Europe, it's uh, it's 
actually not to regulate it. Uh, there, we have actually legal sites that are run by uh, you know the federal and provincial governments here that allow us to wager if we if we want to, even though the offshore sites are much better. But I think there's there's a growing a more of a growing public acceptance that uh, wagering on sports is actually a, a, a legitimate endeavor. It, it's uh, it, it's like a game of skill. You know, I I always see a lot of analogies between poker and sports gambling, and uh, I I think that uh, that as time goes on there will be more lax rules and it will become less regulated, especially when the government understands that they only have money to make. Sure. And I have, I'm new to the sports investing world, but I did work as an investment advisor uh, for about six years here in the States. And I'm starting to see that there's more of skill and a chance really in sports investing than sometimes in the stock market. Because the stock market, at the, I mean, it really is gambling. It's just a guess. Uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, but you still have to be very careful. And uh, one of the hardest things that people have to have uh, to do is to really separate them and become, uh, and to really treat it like uh, a job and a business, and not to take things so personally. I know, uh, you know, we'll probably talk after about uh, some uh, advice that I have for. For beginners, and that's that's really uh, one of the the main things that's so important. Just you know, take it easy and and learn your craft and be patient. Yeah, we've got that a lot in a lot of our interviews. It's not a get rich quick scheme. Um, you have to have a long term view, and you can't be emotional. So I'm glad you touched on that. I'm sure we will visit it here in a few moments again. What do you think about Vegas line changes over the years? Do you think Vegas has become sharper with all the technology and the new sophisticated software that oh, they're using yeah. to set lines in real time. Without a doubt. I mean, Vegas is, is much stronger today than they were in the past. Uh, it, it used to be that, uh, just, to, just to give you an example, if I go back uh, 10, 15 years ago, I probably had accounts at about uh, uh, 10 to 12 online bookmakers. Bookmate. And today, even though I have multiple accounts, I'm really only using three. Uh, because in the past, you could have different lines. You could shop around a lot. Uh, you may get an extra point and a half or a point here and there. You may get extra you know, uh, reductions on juice here or there. There may be some outright errors, uh, especially in games like uh, college basketball, where you have huge amount of games every day. It was impossible for Vegas to have accurate lines going up all the time. But uh, now they're just they're just so good, and there are just so few holes. And and those of us on the other side who are trying to squeeze money out of the Vegas lines have that much more work to do because the lines are are just so accurate and so so properly and finely made. It's rare that I look at, at a board of lines and I say something just pops out at me and says that doesn't make sense. And that's something that happened really, really often, like say even as, as recently as five to ten years ago. Hmm. Well, that's the evolution of the line making in Vegas. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution of sports itself in major leagues. You've got recent changes like adding overtime, shootout rules in hockey. How do these things actually influence not only the games, but the betting itself? Well, and all, all professional sports are a business. They're, they're, they're entertainment trying to make money. Uh, the overtime shootout rules is something very new in hockey. Uh, it's only been a few years since they've done that. 
Uh, in the past, we used to have puck lines that were uh, plus a half and minus a half. So uh, in the event of a tie game, uh, because since there was no overtime, a 2-2 or 3-3 tie at the end of the game, the game would be over and each tie would get a point. So you could have the underdog at a plus a half to break the tie, or you could have the uh, the favorite at minus a half. So now those puck lines have gone to plus one and a half or minus one and a half because the game is guaranteed to end on a, with a one goal uh, a one goal difference. Uh, you know the changes they're supposed to be for the fans to make them better. I mean, if people wanted to have a winner, it used to be like uh, soccer where a tie game was uh, was acceptable, but uh, you know, the fans want a winner, and uh, we just, uh, you know, in, in the sports wagering world, we just, we adjust accordingly. I, I don't think it made anything really uh, different, just the lines changed and we adjusted with them. What is your favorite sport to watch and to bet on? Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question because I, I find myself kind <laughs> of uh, doing this, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 12 months a year, and uh just depends on what month I ask yeah, you. Yeah, huh? well, I think that I, it's got to come down. NFL football was really what I started with, and that's always going to be like my my first love. I I don't you know purport to be an expert in in something like baseball or hockey, even though I've been watching it forever. They're very hard to beat, and fortunately on the site there's you know there's a lot of guys that are really really sharp in those sports. I'm I'm so impressed with you know a lot of the um, the automated the automated uh, wagering schemes that they have on the site like uh, uh, Baromir, uh, Aragorn, Legolas, the uh, Alpha and Delta, which are going to be starting soon in baseball, and all the uh, the Kiss type uh, you know the automated the automated wagering uh, bets. And those those are really fun, and it's something that you know. We've always wanted to have, but we never had access to the amount of uh, statistical data that's required to build those type of systems. And uh, you know, I really got to hand it to uh, you know to uh, to all the guys who are behind the scenes working on that. It's just tremendous uh, what they what they done. If you don't mind, let's drill down on that just a little bit. Um, what Z code tools do you use uh, on on a daily basis? And you know, do you read other people's commentary? to kind of filter your selections? I read people's commentary, but I don't know if filtering my selections uh, by other people's, uh, it doesn't always work for me because I there's a lot of guys that I, that opinions that I respect tremendously. And I tend not to make a lot of wagers. Uh, for me, less is more. So uh, when I have a certain conviction, I found uh, based on history, I should not second guess myself and listen to myself. But if you read through all the different columns and different areas, you're going to find very good arguments to support any side of any game. So, uh, you know, it, it depends on, on, you know, who are you going to believe on any given game. I tend to try to believe myself. But uh, one, what I really like is the uh, line reverse, reversal tool. That really, uh, I find, has helped me a lot. It's something that I've used in the past sort of on a, a different level, uh, not the same level it was on now. Uh, you know, back in the past when we didn't have access to that, I used to subscribe to places like uh, Don Best, which would have uh, a lot of different, you see all the different lines from all the different bookmakers and as close to real time as possible. And the line moves would mean something. But the uh, LR tool, uh, you know, on the site is really, 
really has taken that to another level. And, and I can give you just a, a quickly a recent example of that. Um, a few days ago, uh, I had a, a C-bet going in, in my uh, basketball, in one of my, uh, my over-under basketball uh, selection. And this was just this past Friday night. And I really, really wanted to make uh, a wager on the uh, uh, Rockets and Blazers to go over and the Rockets going over, for those of people who have followed me, you know that's been really a go-to uh, wager all year. That's, that's really made a lot of profit. But the line on the line reversal tool, it just kept dropping and going down and going down. Meanwhile, the public percentage of wagering was really high. It was like uh, 85 90% of the public was on the over, but the money was coming. The line was going down. And that was telling me right away, stay away from the game. There's something that somebody knows that you don't know that uh, mm. that game is going to be a lot lower scoring. So uh, I remember writing on the site, said, I love this game. I love the over. I want to make the play. But because the LR tool is telling me is going in the opposite direction, I'm going to pass. And we'll do it again tomorrow with a different game. And what do you know? Neither team even reached 100 points So uh, for two high-scoring teams. So, uh, you know, it, it saves me and it can save. Uh, it's not right all the time, but it's a really good indicator of when not to make a play. And uh, in basketball, it's been good. In baseball, it's, it's really an essential thing to check the LR tool, you know, five, ten minutes before a game and see what's happening. And if, uh, sometimes a lot of those wagers that you do not make are where you make your money because you didn't lose, because you didn't. Yeah, you, sure. didn't, you didn't go with it, and I'd rather pass than take a chance. Uh, I've said a few times on the site that I really don't like gambling. I, I'm not there just to gamble for the sake of gambling. I, I'm I'm there to make money, to make to make money, and uh, the only way to do this is to be really selective. And so it so happened that on on Saturday the next day. Uh, then I had, uh, you know, another uh, lean on the Warriors Clippers to go over. I was sure that was going to be a really high-scoring game, but the line was going down once again. And then later in the day, I saw the line slowly went up, and I said that's the only flag that I need. And I hit the over hard, and it went over by like 40 points in that. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, that's what I like to filter my selections by. But like I said, there's a lot of guys on the site that are uh, more knowledgeable than I in, in, in some sports and some means, and their opinions are to be respected. Well, you have been one of the leaders in most Z-Code cash contests. Could you tell us more about the contest? Especially, I, I kind of want you to address it for the people who are not yet Z-Code members, like how the contests work. How come you're always leading in street contests and team contests? I'd like to say I'm, I'm competitive. I, I, yeah, I've been, uh, I, <laughs> I, I won once and I've been up there a few times. And it, for me, it, it's fun. But I think when you introduce an element of competition, that that sort of gets certain people going. And, and I'm one of them. Uh, if you've ever played any type of comp- competitive sports, I, you know, I've played even if it's just a, a softball league. When you play the exhibition games, nobody takes them seriously. But when the games count, every every pitch means something. And the contests are similar to that. I think it forces people to really concentrate, to be selective, and to really research their picks. And in that aspect, it's tremendous training for what real-life daily wagering should be. So uh, the contests are, are, are a 
tremendous training tool for people who are new to the concept of sports wagering. And they're a good refresher course to anybody who's been doing it for years because it, if you take it seriously and if you're competitive, and I know most guys are, it's going to be a real, real help for you to make you focus. Sure. Well, let's, as a way of tying it up, let's get back to that one area we said we would address at the end. And if you could offer some words of wisdom to the noobs like myself who are just getting started into sports investing, you know, we need to know what advice you have so we could be as consistent as you are. Uh, and consistent consistency for me came with experience. Uh, I did not have, I was not surrounded by people who I could learn from. I made a lot of mistakes. I lost untold thousands of dollars many times until I got things right. And uh, if we can have people avoid that and start earning money right away, then, then, then we're all winners. I think that you have to look at human nature. Human nature dictates that people are greedy. People want immediate gratification. And if you're entering the sports wagering world with that type of attitude and expectations, you will fail. And unfortunately, that is the reality of it. The, the best way to lose money is to make too many wagers. And that's what I think that, that uh, a lot of people do. And it's very easy when you go on the site. There's, there's so many people with so many opinions and so many great systems. But unless you have a massive bankroll, you can't do everything. You, you can't put your entire bankroll on, on, uh, at risk every, every single night. Find a couple of the automated systems at the beginning. Uh, make only follow what it does. Don't ask questions. Follow some of the others and see what they do. But you don't have to bet on everything. Take it easy at first. Uh, go with percentage of bankroll. Uh, if you want to make a hundred dollar wager on something, that's fine. But you know something, you should have a bankroll at ten thousand dollars, you know, online before you make that. Because if you start wagering more than one or two percent uh, per wager, you can lose a lot of money very quickly, and you'll never have a chance to recover. So there's no shame of making five dollar wagers or ten dollar wagers until you build up slowly. You have to be patient and look at this as, as a long-term thing that you're going to be doing for many, 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 many years. And start slow, be patient, uh, and less is more. That's, uh, that's what I like to say. Less is more. Better to pass, better to make one bet or, or two than to bet the whole board. You know, there, there's a segment of the population that enjoys betting on games because they love their team or they follow their team or they feel this and they feel that. And, you know, something that's fine, that's great, because if that's the way you want to spend your entertainment dollar, because you had money on the game, you're following your favorite team, go ahead, go for it, because you were going to lose that money anyways going out and doing something else. But if you actually want to make money in the investment world of sports wagering, you have to be patient, you have to be selective, never chase, never become emotionally involved. Treat it like a business. That's some sound advice. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Murray. And as always, you are an incredible contribution to this community. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. I really feel like people online have become 
my family. Well, that's it for today's show. What a great guy to talk to, and I hope you found that as educational as I did. I just wanted to take a moment to ask all of you listeners for a favor so that we can continue to grow this show and make it better and better every single week. What would really help us is if you would take one minute of your time right now and jump over to iTunes and leave, hopefully, a great review for this show. And in that review, please let us know what else you would like to hear on the podcast and maybe even suggest a guest you'd like to hear interviewed. It seems like a small thing, I know, but that review will really help us make the show better and cater it to exactly what our sports investment community really wants and needs. We greatly appreciate it and we look forward to seeing you in the Z Code community. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.